Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be you know, not long ago I was walking around my backyard and I found some hinges on my storage shed that were rusting. <laughs> and I need to put new ones on it, I guess, before they fall off. I started reading about corrosion and found out that it costs the world about $2.5 trillion per year. And when you're paying that much globally, that demands a way that we find to keep it from happening in the first place. So scientists have developed what's called a sacrificial anode. Some of you may know what a sacrificial anode is a lot better than me, so my description may not fit the bill too well. But basically what they are, it is a piece of metal. They strategically place these pieces of metal on things like the hull of a ship, and it keeps the corrosion off the ship. Now, I I don't understand the chemistry behind it, but I, I guess the way I think of it is how a battery works. Somebody said it's electrolysis or something. It has this uh, positive and negative charge to it, maybe. I don't know. But a sacrificial alloy, when you put it on a ship's hull, it supposedly has more of a negative electrochemical potential to it than what the metal of the ship has. And so when you place one of these sacrificial anodes on the hull of a ship, some kind of I don't really get it process is activated to where that anode will bear the burden of all the corrosion that would have attacked the ship's hull is somehow directed onto the sacrificial anode. And so you'll see these little things of metal kind of bolted up to a ship's hull. You'll find them on little boats. I think they put them in pipelines. It's designed to make the corrosion go after the anode instead of the ship or whatever else you put them on. But for this to work, you have to place the anode alongside the ship, alongside whatever you're trying to protect. If you don't put that sacrificial anode with what you're trying to protect, then that protective process will not occur. It won't work. It activates when you put them together. Now, I want you to remember this as we go through Galatians 6, and I'm going to call this one, Bear It and Share It. Galatians 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Okay, when somebody is overtaken by a trespass, th- this means they're their run got slow, their walk got slow, they got distracted, and that sin was able to catch up to them. They were overtaken by it. If you remember the story of the tortoise and the hare, the rabbit got distracted, overconfident, whatever, and decided, I'm going to take a nap. Well, the tortoise overtook him because he caught up to him, and that's kind of what this is. A sin will catch up to you. Paul is kind of telling us to never sharply punish people when a trespass overtakes them. Why? Because it can happen to any 
one of us. Yes, even you. If you think, no, it'll never happen to me, then you're deceived, okay? It happens to us. But here's how they used to deal with people when they got caught up in a in a transgression or a trespass. John 8, verse 3. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him, Jesus, a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Okay, that's not very nice. Instead of being very gentle and loving and and make a private correction, hey, ma'am, excuse me, this is not a good thing for you to be doing. Instead of doing that with her. They made a public spectacle out of her. They put her in the midst. That means they put her in the middle of a bunch of people, and they all started yelling, oh, look what she did, you know, making this big uproar about it. Nobody ever likes to be done that way. Now, Paul himself, he had had firsthand experience in this very sort of thing in Acts 21, verse 27, says, Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out. Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people and the law. Now, Paul never did this sort of thing that they were accusing him of, but you can see how the normal way that people had back then of dealing with those pathetic sinners was to stir people up and get everybody mad and publicly humiliate them for it. So Paul said the right way to restore a person is to do it gently and lovingly. Now, the word restore that he used here, that's a Greek word that could be used when talking about resetting a broken bone or mending a fishing net. You you don't do that harshly. You do it delicately. For instance, if somebody breaks their leg, you don't grab them by the arm and say, all right, let's go to the hospital and make them walk in. You know, you gently place them in a wheelchair or even better on a gurney bed and you roll them in you got to be careful with them because they're hurt. We should restore people with gentle care because they're hurt, and they may not even know they're hurt. When they're overtaken by a trespass, we got to restore them carefully. And Paul also said that this task of restoring people, now everybody hear this, okay, because this is something going very wrong these days. It's only to be done by you who are spiritual, he said. Only you who are spiritual. This means that those who were mature in their faith. Mature believers, they have had their own share of mistakes. They've messed up before a lot. They've got a track record. They've been through it. They already know how it feels when you don't treat people right. They've been on the bad end of it. They've also been on the better end of it. Now, for instance, I've never had a broken bone in my life. I've never broke anything. But for those of you who have broken a bone, you know firsthand what it feels like, and you don't want to go back to that again much less uh, if for any of you who have been overtaken by some kind of a uh, a problem and somebody made a mockery out of you and they made fun of you. You don't like that. You know firsthand what it feels like. You don't ever want to go back to that again. So what you do is Paul said you take them to people that know how to do it, those who are mature in their faith, those who are spiritual. Now, I'm not the kind of guy you want to ask help from if you ever break a bone. I can't do anything for you. I don't have that experience. I leave that work to doctors, to those who are experienced that know what they're doing. So when someone is overtaken by a trespass, Paul said to leave them to those that know what they're doing, to those who have experience in the faith with spiritual people. 
It's kind of like driving a car. You don't put a five-year-old in the driver's seat. That's too much power for a five-year-old to handle. You only let experienced drivers get in that driver's seat. If you put a five-year-old in the driver's seat, they're going to hurt somebody. You put that only on mature, experienced people. So Paul said, leave them to those who are spiritual. And so now another layer a layer of warning here. Paul told those who are spiritual that even before the spiritual people, before even you work to restore someone, he said, consider yourself. That's something even the spiritual guys got to do. You consider yourself lest you also be tempted. This means you're supposed to reflect on your own trespasses before about how somebody had been gentle with you when you messed up in the past. Think about the times when they made a public mockery out of you and you did not like it and how it hurt you more. Then think of those that helped you gently and how it did better. Now you've got a good perspective on how to help others. And this is going to keep you humble enough to maintain patience, okay? Because people that caught in a trespass, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to react. They're going to fly off the handle. They're going to get upset. You got to be patient with them. Remember, someone was patient with you before. I remember recently, my grandson was doing something wrong, and I corrected him for it, but he just continued to challenge me on it. I mean, that's just what kids do, right? And I felt myself getting really, really mad. But then suddenly, I did what Paul said. I considered myself. So I remembered times back when I was being a hard head too. And I remembered how people dealt with me and what worked and what didn't work, what I liked, what I didn't like, how it, how they restored me gently. I responded so much better to that than somebody snapping at me and yelling at me for every little thing I did wrong. So I took a deep breath. And I exhaled, (laughs) and we worked it out calmly. And my grandson still today loves his Baba. That's what he calls me. I heard that Baba in Russian means grandmother, but hey, whatever. He invented that, not me. (laughs) So after that incident, the Lord was like, (laughs) now you know how it feels, right? (laughs) So if you are not spiritual, if you're not mature in your walk, you're not going to consider yourself how people have dealt with you before and take a little patience. Count to 10, take a deep breath, remember what worked for you, okay? Then if you're not going to do that, then you're too conceited, you're too immature, you're not going to remember your own mistakes, you're not going to be gentle with people, you're not going to have the humility, you're likely to go off on somebody for their trespass. And Paul said, if this is you, that is not your job to try to restore somebody if you don't have that kind of discernment. Leave it to those with more experience, to those who are spiritual. Galatians 6, verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, bearing a burden with someone shows them, hey, you're not in this alone. I'm in it with you. And though it's only the job of the mature spiritual people to restore them, I'll tell you right now, it's the job of all of us. The whole full body of Christ, all believers, we are to bear one another's burdens all together. This is for all of us. Whether you have a seasoned, experienced walk with God, or if you're totally new at this whole faith walking thing, all of us together, we are all to pray and encourage those who have been overtaken. Now, if you have walls built up around you because you don't trust people, somebody violated your trust in your past, so you're 
blocking yourself off and isolating yourself because now you don't trust anybody. You're going to have to take that wall down so that people can bear the burden with you. We can't bear the burden with you. We can't get close to you to help you. We can't be like that sacrificial anode bolted to the side of that ship to help you out if you've got a wall up. And Paul said that when we do this, when we bear with other people, it fulfills the law of Christ. Friends, if you've got a wall up, you're preventing the body of Christ from fulfilling the law of Christ with you. What is the law of Christ? That's from John 13, verse 34. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, this is how God operates. And I know that everyone listening to me today, maybe you're doing a self-review also. Maybe you're thinking of walls maybe that you need to tear down. Maybe you're thinking of ways of how you could be of better help to somebody else that you know needs restoring, that you have seen going through a tough time that you need to help too. Looking at what the Bible is showing us here, it causes me to reflect on a question, why do I have this problem that I'm going through? When I consider that my troubles, my trials, it brings me closer into the fellowship with other believers, then now suddenly I have to recognize that oftentimes my troubles, it serves the purpose of drawing us together closer into fellowship. At some point, we got too far away from each other. Problem hits, you restore them, you bear burdens with them, then you get closer and together in fellowship. So look at the fruit that gets produced from all this. So maybe instead of concentrating on nothing but my problem and getting beaten down a whole lot more by it and and suffering, oh, woe is me, maybe we should be concentrating on the Lord instead of the problem. And if you concentrate on the Lord, you'll, you'll concentrate on what Paul is saying here to get together and bear with one another and help each other and restore. And then when we work with each other, maybe we'll realize that there are people around you that are suffering because they need your fellowship. Maybe you're suffering because you need fellowship in the body of Christ and you're rejecting it. Maybe you don't even know you're doing it and denying people fellowship with you by either you've got your wall up or maybe your refusal to walk spiritually in obedience to God, that maybe that causes you to miss out on all the work and the blessing of unity that the Lord is trying to do with you. So don't deny others and don't deny yourself great miracles and great blessings by letting all this go to waste, okay? Your wall, your refusal to get plugged into the body of Christ is only hurting you. We live in a divided world. Everybody's mad at everybody, and we don't like you because, you know, you're in a different political party than me, or I like blue and you like red, or I like Ford, you like Chevrolet. I mean, we're just not going to get along for nothing. And so we're pre-programmed to reject this chapter. We are pre-programmed by our culture to reject Galatians chapter 6, to get together with people. I say we use Galatians 6 we follow it, and we gain from it because this is the formula for God's blessing. The Bible's good stuff, isn't it? I'm telling you, if the Bible does not excite you, then you are not reading it. Galatians 6, verse 3. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. 
for each one shall bear his own load. Okay, here's the self-review command here, and it's very necessary for us because there's a lot of people today, they are trying to correct everybody else. And quite honestly, they shouldn't be doing that. Being conceited, this I can do no wrong, I'm perfect, I'm better than you. Oh my gosh, I would never have done the sin that you did because I'm just so above you. When you look down on others as though you are better than they are, then that's what causes people to get way too aggressive and hostile against them, just like how the Pharisees were with that adulteress, okay? That was not right to treat her that way. And by the way, I hope you noticed about the adulteress, they did not bring the man that she was caught with. Did you notice that? (laughs) Why not make a spectacle out of him too? See, being conceited, saying I'm better than you, it causes your judgment to be so one-sided and so biased that it's just wrong. You can't see anything right. In order to be a burden bearer along with someone, you have to set aside your conceit. And being conceited, that's just the belief that you have never done anything wrong, that you're incapable of doing anything wrong. I'm richer, I'm more powerful, I've done everything right. And that line of thinking will cause you to hurt them when in your mind, you're thinking you're trying to help them. You ever been told, suck it up, buttercup? Okay, that does not work with most people. They're not going to listen to that. It's just going to make them mad. Conceit, I'm better than everybody. Superiority, that causes people to push others to be as perfect as I am. That has never helped anybody get restored. It only makes people resentful, even if they're not telling you they're resentful. Well, I told him to suck it up, and he took it well. How do you know he took it well? Maybe you think he took it well. Maybe he wants you to think (laughs) that he took it well when he didn't. That hurts people. So instead of comparing yourself to those who need restoration, okay, I'm better, whatever, it's a godly move to step outside of your own box and take a look back at yourself first. So you can see all the great things that God has done for you throughout your lifetime. You can also see all the times that you have been restored, how people helped you. And then Paul said, you can have rejoicing in yourself alone, which means you can be joyful in what the Lord God has done in you to help restore you. Paul said in Romans 12, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Conceit, being conceited, that causes people to think they're too good to sin. And such people like this, they're no good to help restore anyone. When Paul said each shall bear his own load, there in verse 5, that seems like a contradiction of verse 2, which says for us to bear one another's burdens. It's it's different. It's not this. It, let me explain. It's different than verse 2. Because verse 2 is dealing with heavy, crushing loads that are too heavy for any one person to carry on their own. Those are the loads that we have to bear with them, the big, big burdens that would crush anybody. But here in verse 5, the word load that Paul used, that is a Greek word that means like a soldier's backpack, which means it's not too heavy for one person to carry. Now, there are certain responsibilities that the Lord has assigned each believer, responsibilities that you have to carry on your own that can't be shared with other people. In my case, I have been called to be a pastor. Most of you listening to me out there, you have not been called to be a pastor. Maybe some of you had, and thank God you're listening to me. I appreciate you coming to Set for Life Radio. 
but some of you have not been given that load. This is my load. This is what I do. Now, I walk with the body of Christ. They help me, but they don't bear that calling. That is a backpack that I can carry. I can carry it with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew eleven thirty, he said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, so you can carry that, okay? That you can carry. So there are some burdens that hit us that we can't, and there's some that we can. For the ones that hit people that's too heavy, we bear with them, okay? But what Paul was saying here is that instead of being conceited in ourselves, we need to review the work that God has done in us so that we can have joy in how the Lord has restored us from our own sins so that we can gently and lovingly help bear the burdens of others when they are overtaken by a crushing weight. You can bear the things that God has put on you, but when people get hit with a super heavy one, you need to help them if you are one of those spiritual people. But friends, you can't do that sort of work for someone when you're too full of yourself. Galatians 6 verse 6, let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Okay, this is the passage that me as a pastor, it's very hard for me to talk about. It's more. It's a lot easier to talk about it when I'm a guest speaker at somebody else's church, but I, <laughs> I told this to my church the other day, and it was very difficult because that was my own church. Let me explain, because <laughs> this passage is quite interesting. Most people know the reap what he sows verse, and a lot of people know the God is not mocked verse. But a lot of people miss the context of what is being said here because most people don't know that the very verse that comes right before it, they don't know what it says. And there's a reason why I read these two verses together. It says that the biblical responsibility, you're supposed to share in all good things with those who teach, the biblical responsibility for every believer is to financially support the pastors and their teachers in the church. You are supposed to support your pastor through your giving. Now, it's likely that the Galatians here, in their backsliding, they had stopped giving to support the work of their pastors. And so part of Paul's instruction to them was this. He said, you should be paying your pastor for his work. You need to be paying that man for the work that he does. And so he reprimanded the Galatians for taking up the benefits and receiving the blessings of the pastor's work. That pastor goes and studies all week. He prays. He does his faithful best to give the word of God to the people, to teach to them. And then the people were not reciprocating the fruits of their own work back to the pastor. And so for me personally, let me explain my story. When God called me to ministry, it required me to leave my career in radio. That was something I'd spent 20 years of my life building up. It's what I knew. Now it scared me to be called off into ministry. I mean, I'm just being honest. But I'll tell you what scared me even more was all the friends that I had around me that said, oh, Ray, just trust in the Lord. He will provide. I mean, I knew that, but they were telling me this. Trust in the Lord, Ray. God will take care of it. But I knew that they were not giving to the ministry that they were being blessed by. See the problem here. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.